welcome back to the second show for the year, STEM Curious Podcast. We are here. My name is Tyrone Glinton, host of STEM Curious Podcast, where we talk all things science, technology, engineering, and math. And today we have a very special guest in the person of Janelle Emanuel, who happened to be also a committee member for FAMSTEM Bahamas, but beyond her being a committee member, she is much more and more multifaceted than that. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Janelle. Hello, Janelle. Hi. <laughs> I'm Janelle, full-time air traffic controller, part-time software engineer. Wow, that's a lot even in just those two sentences, well, one sentence, two parts. Um, so part-time software engineer, full-time air traffic controller. Beyond that, what else we need to know about Janelle Emanuel? Because I know you are multifaceted. I see those pictures. <laughs> Y'all follow on Instagram. They be popping. But beyond that, um, just introduce to persons who don't know you are um, yourself. Okay, I am a former beauty queen little bit of a model <laughs> and i enjoy food <laughs> <laughs> oh well i think that's most of us right now my belly going oh awesome so janelle um a little bit of history about how you got into the field of air, air traffic control and for the persons who don't even know what air traffic control is and what they do please just give us a little bit of a history of how you got into that industry Okay, so I came back home from college and I really wasn't excited about the job prospects. Mm -hmm. And I saw this ad and I Googled it and I was like, that's real cool. They do that in the movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I showed up with my mother, who takes their mother to drop off. Smart <laughs> woman. <laughs> and I showed up to the office and it was filled. They were already doing interviews. And I just submitted everything on the spot. And from there forward, they called me for a series of interviews. And it was just, they was like, do some research, mm -hmm. come back, and we'll see how it goes. And I, I scored the interviews and everything like that. And it was a match in a perfect match. Yeah. Um, an air traffic controller is the person that helps the pilot while you're in the sky. Mm. So what we do is we make sure you don't crash into another plane. Right. If you need any help with the weather, we assist you with that. And then for the smaller planes that go into those islands, mm -hmm. we help you. We make sure you get to your destination. Safely. Yes. Awesome. So I just want to go back on the point of you actually going off to school. What did you study when you were off to school? And how do you think that played a role in your current position? So I studied computer science. Mm -hmm. And when I went to air traffic, the qualifications were just, I think, ba basic BJCs and BGCSEs. Mm -hmm. But because my year was one of the more competitive ones, mm -hmm. it was like everybody came in with degrees. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it really did help. Mm -hmm. After getting the job, mm -hmm. I realized it was similar mm -hmm. to being in the computer science field because you're looking at a computer all day. Right. <laughs> and so with that being said, I think people, when they think of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, they think it's usually isolated, but not realizing that they all play a role in each other, I guess, territory. So as an air traffic control operator, what are some of the IT tools, besides obviously a computer, do you have software that you use um, daily and how is that incorporated in your day-to-day -day operations? Okay, we have a lot of software. Mm -hmm. we, we can't we can't do any work without software. So we have specific um, software that helps us put the flight plans in. Mm. We have specific software to call because you have to call the nearby airports, whether you're going to Fort Lauderdale or Freeport, anything like that. You have to call them in a split second. So we have software for that. We even have a specific name for the software they use for radar and approaches and stuff like that. So... We really need it. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's how, uh, I guess, how your computer science, um, I guess, education helped to play into your even profession now. And I'm sure it was easier for you to adapt 
to whatever the, the new tools were you were learning and that learning curve joining there i tell you that it's i didn't expect it to be similar to like joining one of the armed forces mm. you have to go through a serious training and every week you have to pass the test wow and some of the courses were like meteorology mm. um aircraft recognition aircraft speed uh kind of like geography also right so if you were good in those areas you kind of had an advantage right and so once again that's how all of the areas of stem even tying as being an air traffic controller because like you said you had that you have to advise the pilots on where the par- patterns or what i guess the expectations would need to be so here comes the sciences and then when you talk about the craft and the aircraft and how it's structured that's sort of like engineering as well and then the tools that you need in order for you to actually operate, uh, to carry about your day-to-day operations. Obviously, that's where the technology comes in. So it's very interesting for me, even listening to you now while we're talking, because I think it's the first time like we really even talk about what you're doing. Um, to see how multifaceted this whole industry is and why it's important not to just isolate yourself to a particular area or field and say, oh, I want to be a computer scientist, but not recognizing how all that play a part in what you're doing. I think because anywhere in the world, Mm -hmm. the job is so, it has a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. So where people like to, I think the Bahamas is like one of the only places where people stay for decades until they retire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In In other parts of the world, I don't think air traffic controllers do that, but it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. And for me, I felt like I could always come back to computers. Right, I right. need the degree. Right. And try something different. Right. So definitely something I don't regret. Absolutely. So I know the aviation field in general, aviation and maritime, but specifically aviation is a really male dominated field. I think maybe another woman in your in, in your area. How many women are in the in the section, and how is that playing a role in you? You know, being able to carry a job. But in some in some instances, it may not impact you at all. But how do you find it is being a female in a male dominated industry? It's almost where I work. Mm-hmm. Air traffic at NASA is almost. It's like we're gaining on them. Mm, like, y'all catching them up. Catching them up. <laughs> <laughs> But I think air traffic is like the only sector. Mm-hmm. So for pilots, mm-hmm. you don't really have females. Like it's, it's almost like you recognize which aircrafts they fly mm-hmm. because it's so little of them. Mm. Once you hear the voice, you're like, I know what you're flying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So when you say you know what they're flying, is it that they're as a female, you're assigned a certain aircraft? Or is it because females are drawn to a specific air- aircraft? What do you mean by that? I mean, they fly for certain planes. Oh. So, sometimes when you have voices like, because, you, you know, they call you on the radio. Right. It's like, okay, I know who that is. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Based on the fact of the voice being associated. Oh, don't worry. We have females that fly those big private jets. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I, I, I'm great to hear it. Um, that Actually, I'm going to recognize some staministas in the industry, but in our later um, segment after the break. Um, but beyond that, um, when you went, let's say when you were in high school, what what opportunities or, if any, or influences you had to make you more drawn to, like, computer science or the industry itself? Oh, I've always been a, a STEM student. Mm-hmm. In high school, I was a marine science major. Oh, and a maritime cadet. Oh, nice. So what happens is uh-huh. when people see you do good in those science and math classes, mm-hmm. they like to put you in any, anything like that. Right. And for me, it was like, we'll try this and see which one I liked better. Right, <laughs> right. So for you, you were just trying out different um, subject areas around the STEM, not necessarily realizing that. And the thing is, so so funny because it still comes full circle to what you're doing now. So even like you say, maritime and all that stuff and marine science or whatever, like it still comes full circle to what you're doing now, but from then you were already interested. Yeah, I would say as long as you have that foundation, Mm -hmm. you could basically go anywhere. 
Absolutely. So for a person, a young person, whether it be male or female, because I don't believe in being biased. The reason why we created this podcast and this talk show, and even Samson Bahamas, is to allow doors to be open for both males and females, but really females only because it is is uh, such disparity between the women and men in the industry. But what advice would you give and typically i ask this question at the end but i want to ask it now what advice would you give to a young person interested in any field of in aviation i would say get the basics down mm-hmm. get the basics down part mm-hmm. and then you can go in any field because if you choose to do like mechanic because aviation mechanics make a lot of money too mm. you still need your math and your science and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you choose to be an air traffic controller, it still comes to that. Mm-hmm. So I would say get the basics. And um, while we are talking about the basics, what are some of the basics you, you would say? So you were saying like the basics in terms of like subject core, su- basic subject or core areas that you typically would learn in school, like us bio, biology, math, pay attention to those areas. Geography, math, um, science all of that plays a huge part mm-hmm. do that and i would also say don't wait mm. both of those fields my only regret was that i started kind of late mm-hmm. compared to my counterparts wow so you have 21 year olds with pilot licenses and stuff like yes. that. yes and so it's like you can start i think as soon as you get a driver's license mm-hmm. you can start around the same time and then even with computer science you could start like at age of 12 or something like wow. that. wow so Um, I know uh, as an air traffic controller, that's just one of the career, um, I guess, opportunities in the aviation field. And I know the Bahamas Civil Aviation is a contracting member of the state of ICAO, um, which is responsible for the safety and oversight throughout the archipelago of the Bahamas. And based on your knowledge, what are some of the other careers you listed? I think two already which is a pilot and an uh, aviation mechanic or something like that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other non-traditional career paths do you come across in the field of, I guess, av- aviation? We have technicians that fix our software. Oh, nice. Like they're on call. Oh, wow. So if anything <laughs> happens, they're right there. <laughs> right, right. So you have those type of technicians. Mm-hmm. You also have the people, the operators, mm-hmm. fixed base operators like the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. They have people there. Um, it's just a lot. You yeah. have regulators, people who make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> right. So I'm reading, um, by the way. So if you hear me sound like I'm reading, I guess it's because I am. I think it's important for some you know, information to be also associated with our podcast and our tra- talk show. But um, essentially, the CICAO and the Bahamas Civil Aviation, like um, Janelle said, encompasses many technical experts who are qualified in many of the specialty areas. This includes human factors, safety management system, aerodomes, rooms, I think I'm saying it wrong, airworthiness operations, aircraft accidents, investigation, cabin safety, air navigation services, administration, and technical archives. So it seems like there's a place in, in the field for everybody if you really want to be in it. Um, are there any instances that you come all across persons who are doing like aviation law as a, a lawyer associated with aviation? Or why you would, if, if you ever encountered any cases where a lawyer will be necessary for the aviation industry? Um, they don't really have, not that I know of, lawyers specific to that industry, mm-hmm. but you may need a lawyer <laughs> if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Uh, our job is so serious that if you're not paying attention, sometimes you could be carried to court. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's why I asked too, because, um, it, based on my research, you know, they have actual standards, recommendation, um, recommended practices and policies, and even obviously the Civil Aviation Act that governs the, um, I guess the Civil Aviation Department and the industry in general. And you have different safety protocols. I know you mentioned different training, um, I guess the different training steps and stuff like that you guys have to go through. So I'm a certain that you need somebody. <laughs> 
<laughs> to regulate and to make sure. Mm-hmm. And in the event that you breach any of those um, regulations or safety protocols, that you have a representation uh, if you have to go to court. So as an air traffic controller, what are some of the, like, some of your fears on a day-to-day job? Because oh, that's um, a heavy responsibility, I can imagine. So I'm kind of at the bottom, but mm. it's still, like, even at the bottom, it's pressure. So mm. you could have days where, you know, Bohemian, it's, you know, we love our culture and stuff, and they'll just catch you off guard. Right. For example, you would you would give them instruction, and it'll be, like, formality out the window. Right. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Have a nice day. It's like <laughs> you know you're not supposed to address me that way. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's just that, and then also sometimes they would try you, so you mm. know you're not supposed to leave certain airports. We have you can't leave past sunset because mm. we don't have adequate lighting, and you know we own our airspace, mm-hmm. but other people control so it. it. Yeah, so it's like. You can't leave without permission, and right. they'll try you to leave, mm-hmm. and they call you. I was gone. <laughs> so so I, I'm never excited for that because it's like, did you tell him it was okay to do this? And right, that? And right. Like, again, once again, talking, speaking to the safety and the regulations of the industry and why it's so important. Anyway, we are here talking to Janelle and we will take a break to get to know more about Janelle and more about the industry and the parts that deals with software engineering on the part-time side after this break. conversation with the one and only Janelle Emanuel, software engineer, part-time and full-time air traffic controller in the Bahamas. And you're talking to me and listening to me, not talking to me, listening to me, Tyrone Clinton, host of STEM Curious Podcast, where we talk all things science, technology, engineering, and math. 
once again, we are here with Janelle. And the first half of the show, we spoke about her journey on becoming a air traffic controller and how she actually got into the industry, what an air traffic controller does and how it's so important to know the fundamentals of STEM and how it contribute can contribute to the industry if you're interested in aviation in any facet or capacity, how that could play a role in your day-to-day operations. So we spoke about that um, part of her life, but we also want to talk about the software part of it. She said part-time software engineer. Um, so we want to know, first of all, again, for persons who don't know, because we don't know who all is listening. Some persons really don't know, like, the stuff that we may naturally think they know. So what is a software engineer for those who may not know? Anybody that likes, that codes and mm-hmm. builds apps, websites, software mm-hmm. tools, you would call yourself a software engineer. Awesome. So I know you said earlier that you your background, your educational background, well, you had a vast one, but specifically for college was is computer science. Mm-hmm. What essentially do you learn in college that makes you a computer scientist? A whole bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of programming classes, mm-hmm. fundamentals, math, mm-hmm. a lot of math, mm-hmm. science and physics, mm-hmm. and what else? We did a little bit of like cybersecurity and best practices and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, so as a former computer information systems um, student, people often confuse the two beyond thinking, okay, so it's CIS and then it's computer science. And people really don't really, for the most part, don't understand the difference until they get there. But like Janelle said, computer science is a lot more intense. It's a lot more science, like she said, a lot more math. And I'm thankful to God <laughs> that I didn't have to do that <laughs> as an option. But why do you think, because when people think computers, they don't think science for some odd reason, and they definitely don't think math. But how do you see that science and math play a role in that degree program? A lot of times, um, they have, well, not a lot of times, mm-hmm. currently, mm-hmm. A lot of people are interested in AI, mm-hmm. so that's like the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you don't understand how long it takes for this certain robot to move or mm-hmm. um, the data, if you can't read the data, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't understand it. Right, and you can't make it applicable to whatever solution you're trying to build. Exactly. And science is involved in computer science because it literally is a science. And the math, it, the programs itself is run, run on math on algorithms on zeros and ones for those of persons who don't know so it is a science um so how do you operate as a part-time computer science with projects or things that you do to get in the industry and really start to i guess make it applicable to whatever aspirations you have okay so i say part-time because you know obviously i have a full-time job so it's hard to stay in it but you know i like it a lot Mm -hmm. so i've recently anybody needs help with the project or open source um projects Mm -hmm. i jump in Mm -hmm. i even did a little internship with plato alpha for a few months oh nice um currently trying to build up my skills so Mm -hmm. i'm doing like a boot camp now okay blockchain oh nice uh-huh so uh awesome so it is because you already was obviously went to college for it it's something you obviously had a passion about and maybe now is it that you're trying to make a shift into that direction is it not necessarily a shift because maybe you was always interested in it but uh, you kind of get sidetracked what do you anticipate to do with um i guess to do with the career okay so Computer science found me. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so I went to originally went to college for engineering, but they wouldn't let me in the classes mm. because of an entrance exam. Mm. So I was like, "What other class mm. that has? I mean, what other degree program right. has the same classes?" Mm-hmm. But they would let me in until I can switch over to engineering. When I got there, right. I was like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> and then they paid me. Oh, wow. So, like, I got lucky. I got my whole degree paid for, for free. Wow. And so they were like, all you have to do is show up. Right. 
kidding me, man? <laughs> so they were like, you're a female in computer science. Yeah. Would you like to go this place? Would you like to go that place? Wow. And so I find myself going to conferences mm-hmm. and hackathons. Mm-hmm. And then I would actually like win some. Mm-hmm. So it was like a love that I just couldn't get away from. Right. So with in this instance, what school that you went to that offered this wonderful opportunity? Oh, they didn't offer it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't offer it like that. I went to Florida Memorial University. Oh, it's FMU. A, okay. Right, uh-huh. Historically black college. Right. Where they give degrees in financing. Right. So once you got that first scholarship. Right. It was easy to build upon it. So right. they were like, we have money for you. You in this department. Right. Nobody liked taking those classes. Wow. So it was like extra scholarship money. Wow. For you. Just because you were there. And then once I went the, to the hackathons and the conferences, mm-hmm. I realized like this could be a really good career. So mm-hmm. I stayed. Mm-hmm. And um, after coming home, mm-hmm. I really didn't like the job prospect. Mm-hmm. When you are star student in the u.s right in that field right you know what you opportunities you and, have and access you, to exactly and you know like what you're valued at mm-hmm. and so because you know here they didn't i didn't come with experience mm-hmm. i just came with some projects you tell me what to do i could build it right they didn't want that right so i was like let me step back mm-hmm. and let me go do something else and that's how i got air traffic right but it's like i always want to come back to it. <laughs> the computer science that's your first love because it gives me so much You're right so i just want to elaborate um on the point of what you said in reference to challenges you encounter beyond i mean not necessarily being a woman but opportunities in a country what are some of the things that you think first of all yeah i'll start with that what are some of the things you think could happen or could be done to encourage like-minded and educated persons like yourself to return home and to make a contribution, really, and make money, obviously, um, in country. There's not enough incentives. Mm-hmm. I remember I would apply every year for internships, mm-hmm. and the companies wouldn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. But my counterparts, mm-hmm. this one's at Google, this one's at Facebook, right. you know what I'm saying? So it's like they need to make sure they have internships mm-hmm. also companies need to have positions for for newly graduated people right because everybody looking for you to come with a whirlwind of experience however how am i ever to gain experience beyond obviously like you say participating participation in hackathons or even like personal projects right. and i think that's the unfortunate thing too as long as it's not in the actual role they don't count it as experience and i think that is something that we need to restructure in this country because like you said outside of this country if you can show where you actually were value and actually doing the work Mm -hmm. you have a better prospect so i think that's yeah that is a real challenge um in country but i think things are starting to change and i think people are at least specifically, I could say for the government sector, they're really realizing more the importance of giving young, talented, education, educated people an opportunity and make to make a contribution, not only to the company, but to the country at large. And I think, I mean, we still have a long way to go, um, but I think the need is there. And I think they recognize that you can't expect somebody who's been in the industry for 50 years. <laughs> Bahamas because mm-hmm. at these conferences mm-hmm. you would have like speed interviews with the recruiter recruiters from Google Instagram this place and it's like they make you feel like you're the best worker right and you've never worked a day in your life <laughs> wow so even that uh, that fostering of confidence I think is very important <laughs> and I could go on and on about that as well but I understand your plight and how you feel so beyond that what some of the what are some of the projects that you have worked on personally that you say you're proud of because i know you say you did like a three-month thing with plato alpha um so what are some personal projects that you work on that you're looking forward to well i yeah so when i was at plato alpha i helped with their website mm-hmm. when i um before that i made like a mock-up of a school app because my school didn't have any social media so we made like a a, a fake app for them right then you know obviously like websites Mm -hmm. and now 
I'm trying to make hope I finish in time. <laughs> I'm trying to make an NFT market nice with Ethereum mm-hmm. on the blockchain. For those of persons who do not know what NFT is, <laughs> it's a non-fungible token, but um could you elaborate elaborate a bit more on what that is? And that is actually a new industry for us, especially in the Bahamas, that people are really raving about now. So tell people about it and how they could, even persons who are in the creative industry in the orange economy, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I know y'all can do it. Um, tell me how they, how this is important for them and how technology plays a role even in their industry. It gives them ownership of their own work. Wow. So, for example, you could make a painting and... You could sell it for how much ever you want to sell it, but mm-hmm. we always know it's an original because the blockchain proves that you are the only person mm-hmm. that made it. Mm-hmm. You can sell it and resell it, and you make a profit every time it's sold. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think a lot of artisans and persons who are in the industry would really appreciate because just like well, technology, I think the arts is not necessarily as respect it as it needs to be in country but if you could put it on a global stage and really make money from it without even you resell that same item a thousand times and make more money than you would have ever seen Mm -hmm. through this platform through blockchain and i think that's something that is really great that you're trying to attempt and even do even as a personal project um and so yeah absolutely something that persons in the creative industry should look into uh, before i forget i just want to quickly um highlight some stebanistas um in the persons of four pilot four female pilots four female pilots their names are captain gwendolyn ritchie captain gail sanders and Captain Francis Smith, I say four is three. Um, these three, three female pilots were promoted to Dash 8 aircraft captains. First in the Bahamas Air's airline history. Now, granted, this was a while back. This was in 2012. But I just think these Simonesis need to be recognized because... Like I discussed earlier in the aviation industry, that is more than an accomplishment as three females being promoted in in that capacity. And we just want to recognize those seminists for today. Um, So now we'll get back to the discussion (laughs) um, with Janelle, um, air traffic controller. Full-time and part-time software engineer. Okay, so in your opinion, what are some of the opportunities or that the Bahamas is not necessarily taking advantage of that could be beneficial from you, like you as a person in STEM? What are some opportunities that either doesn't exist or could be incorporated with your skill set? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, from an air traffic standpoint... I feel like they ha- they aren't ready to handle the reins because mm-hmm. us young people is like we see a lot of things that need to be updated. Mm-hmm. Even I would even say the software. Right. I was going to ask you about even that. Even that is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the changes we even had to like push for is like not official, but it's like, come on, we in the 21st century. Yeah. And um, in terms of STEM and computer science, I would really like to see us target more high school students Mm -hmm. in STEM related fields like I think the cadet courses aren't enough Mm. so like in the US you will always see every week they have hackathons they have workshops and Mm -hmm. stuff like I think we really need like a whole bunch of those okay so for those persons who don't know about the cadet program could you just elaborate a little bit more on that okay so um when I was in high school, there are a series of cadet programs. I don't know if they're government-funded or private-funded, but they cater to any field that, not any, a few fields where students were interested in. I mm-hmm. know they had nursing cadets, maritime cadets, technical, technical cadets. cadets. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard anything about it since the pandemic, mm-hmm. but they really helped you with experience and letting it, letting you know if that was the career field that you really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because I was a recipient of the technical cadets program. I could tell you that's really what shaped me and determined for me definitively that I wanted to be something in STEM. <laughs> I know computer was most definitely the greatest um, 
subject area that I was attracted to even before being in STEM, but it really solidified to me, hey, this is where I want to be. So um, does the civil aviation department or that do they have a high school program? Not to my knowledge. Right. So, okay, so those are one of the things that you would recommend, recommend and opportunities for the country to take advantage of with your skill set or even with people who have skill set in STEM. Mm-hmm. Okay, so beyond that, um, you mentioned being a beauty queen. How, how, <laughs> how is that, um, how is that contributing to you as a woman in STEM? Because, you know, when people think women in STEM, they think, rough and tough <laughs> and masculine right but how do you see that feminine energy you know is i guess for trade and still be accepted as a woman in stem i think it makes everything better i think it makes it easier right i definitely do <laughs> a lot of people when they first meet me they're like okay mm-hmm. not what i expected right it really helps mm-hmm. um at first, I was a little insecure about it because mm. even in the college classes, you would go into and one or two girls mm. and 15 boys. Wow. Physics class, they know you right. <laughs> because you are the only one there. Right. And so I was a little insecure. Mm. With the pageants, though, mm-hmm. that was when I met like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. And so it was much easier. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, because I'm formerly a pageant girl. I, and it's so awkward that some of the people who I interview, we have a lot of similarities. So I originally was not a pageant girl from like teen years, but I, in my mid twenties, I got into pageantry. I'm just a person who liked to try new things. So I came across it. I never do a pageant day in my life and gone in the biggest pageant there is Miss Bahamas. <laughs> um, at the time it's Miss Bahamas, Rose and Miss Universe. But what I appreciate about the pageant industry, which people really don't take um, into consideration is that it, it, formulates a environment for you to be not only confident in yourself, but to be Mm well-rounded and you would have girls in these industries or women in some cases who are studying to be a doctor, studying to do um, engineering or whatever. And they use that as a platform to promote whatever their career aspirations are. And I realized with pageantry, while not necessarily being the most, um, looked upon in terms of like, oh, it's intellect or whatever. It requires a level of intellect to be able to speak on cue, be interviewed by a panel of judges, be constantly ridiculed and looked at and people laughing. It takes a level of grit that would add to your, add to you as a person. Even when you go into interviews, you are at that point, you're already used to being critiqued. You're already used to responding on the fly you're already used to speaking and you're used to having to have some level of intellect because people always underestimate you because they're only looking at your physicality saying oh this girl or whatever so (laughs) i definitely see how that helps to contribute to you as a woman in stem but also like you say making it easier for you too because people tend to underestimate you you know um (laughs) I actually was really, really quiet when mm-hmm. I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so first it just started as a journey. Anything to get you to open up. Right. Then when I did the pageants, it was like, okay, it's okay to show some personality. Yes, yes. So. Yeah. And I agree with the same, same here, same here. So outside of that, what are some of the other um, challenges you face just in general? As I know you say, some of the things were not having opportunities upon return. And then obviously seeing your colleagues being able to be advanced and and stuff like that. What are some other challenges you faced, like just being back home and being a woman in STEM or just person in general? (laughs) (laughs) No, um, we don't have any transition. How do I say? We don't have any uh, way to transition into being an adult or Mm -hmm. being independent once you come back home. Mm -hmm. And that is such a huge struggle. I mean, obviously, if you had went to the College of the Bahamas Mm -hmm. or the University of the Bahamas, you'd have went straight into your job. You you would have already built that relationship. Mm -hmm. So that was hard Mm -hmm. because, you know, in the U.S., all my people renting apartments (laughs) and houses. And then you got to come back home to mommy. Exactly. So that was one of the struggles, experience, Mm -hmm. finances. Um, 
being underestimated mm-hmm. that that was a huge win yeah and i and i anticipate because even like even though i went to ub well clb at the time i know for a fact networking is important it ain't what you know it's who you know that's that's just that's, that's how it is exactly. in this country that's just how it is unfortunately however it's still good to know because when you get the opportunity the who you know may not be there anymore. So you need to advance yourself. You need to be able to prove your worth, right? Once you get into the door. But I could definitely identify with the fact of trying to get into adulthood. And not necessarily I haven't had the experience of going off to school and returning. But I could still imagine, even as a young adult at that time, or younger adult at that time, trying to find my way beyond just trying to find my career path, but find my way in life. So, yes, that's definitely a challenge because, unfortunately, I don't know of any or much resources that exist to even help young people transition from being a high school student to now being a college for all young adult, especially in a world where you don't see much opportunities for youth. So, definitely would encourage somebody out there who's listening to find a platform to help bridge that gap um, beyond just, you know, the education, but also life skills and stuff like that. That's part of what we do at FemSTEM or plan to do as well with the launch of our after school program in January um, is to provide a platform for young people to get life skills um, beyond just being educated in sciences, science, technology, engineering, and math. But with that being said, we are getting ready to wrap up. And before we do, we're going to let you listen to this wonderful tune. After this break, we will be back with the closing remarks. Thank you once again for listening. You're here with us at STEM Curious Podcast. Never, ever, ever fail 
And we're back and we're getting ready to wrap up this segment with Janelle Emmanuel, who is here as an air traffic controller and a part-time, and I'm only saying it like this because she said it, <laughs> a part-time computer science, um, yeah, computer scientist. So we are here just to, you know, provide a platform for you persons who are interested in science, technology, engineering, and math and not thinking it's attainable, it's too far reaching. We often have stereotypes of what people in STEM look like. They're nerds, they're geeks, they're not cool and all that stuff. But we're here to break that myth and that stereotype and, you know, the whole thing about it's not being for girls, we want to break that myth. So... With that being said, any words of advice for persons who are looking to get in computer science or, you know, how to how to begin? They don't know where to begin. What do you what do you say to them? I would say do your research mm-hmm. and use what you have. Mm-hmm. So a lot of opportunities would come your way if you just Google it. Mm-hmm. Reach out to the companies. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Um, beyond doing the research, I know, because that's something most of my guests say, which is true. You have so many, um, ac- you have access, more access than, well, most of us had when we were younger to resources, and it all is at the f- your fingertips, literally. So do your research. Go on YouTube. I know a lot of y'all like YouTube, but use it for a resource. I There's one of our former... On a reason, her name is, um, she hosts up Lulu, Eddie, and um, she actually has a cryptocurrency and um, a cryptocurrency Facebook, um, YouTube page where she teach people about cryptocurrency and how to invest and stuff like that. And she's only 16 years old. So there are resources for you there to, 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 to get access to. But beyond doing the research, you could start where you're at, like mm-hmm. um, Janelle said, the resources are there in school. Pay attention to the core areas. Go to your guidance department. I know some persons is like, oh, I no. Go to your guidance department and even ask them of any clubs or organizations that are STEM related. Even if you not necessarily sure of what area in STEM you're interested in, look for those resources in that um, capacity. Ask them about what career opportunities exist and if there are colleges that they should have access to. I know right now most persons are virtual. I'm hoping that school opens <laughs> this semester. But once you return to school, um, until, you know, such time you can Google. But once you get back in school, go to your guidance counselor. That's the purpose of them being there as a resource. Ask them what programs that are existing that have any capacity as it relates to STEM. Could you provide me with a listing of those programs and then with colleges are associated you see Janelle even like she said when she went to school she got access to scholarships just because she was the only and I'm assuming at the time because that's how Evermy was a black historically black school but the only black female who went to these courses there are access to scholarships beyond your capacity of mind and opportunities if you just understand that these are the resources and look for it ask around for it um and I know it's quite discouraging to return home when there aren't any opportunities for you. But what I realized with working on a lot of digital digitization projects is with this skill set now, you can export that. So you don't necessarily at the time have to be able to work with any companies in country. You could start, like um, Janelle said, going on LinkedIn and see for um what you call it, virtual or remote working opportunities. If you are skilled enough and you've already started to build your portfolio um, to go ahead and do it, then they have hackathons, international hackathon competitions and projects that you could also be a part of to build that network and to become a part of contributing to different projects. And you could add that to your resume and even get to know people beyond um, the country. I need to provide myself with some resources because I have it on my phone, <laughs> but there are actually websites and actual um the actual organizations that um, exist. So, for example, I'm pulling up one now called DevPost, um, and they have a number of different worldwide operational um, hackathon competitions. Sometimes you could see prizes up to $10,000, up to $100,000, mm-hmm. where you could be a part of and get paid to be a part of these hackathon challenges. So you don't have to necessarily be in 
or have a job in country, you can make a contribution beyond in country. And one thing I noticed about, I mean, unfortunately, I hate to say it like this, but this are people is they don't recognize you and tell you, you make it big elsewhere. <laughs> but you know, if that's how you have to start, you can start there and not, you're not too young. As long as you have the ability to learn and to be teachable, you're not too young to be a, a force to be reckoned with. So that's my little one, two cents to add on top of that. But before we wrap up, any other words of advice or if you want to invite people to follow you, how do they go about that? Oh, okay. So my Facebook is John L. Emanuel. Mm-hmm. My Instagram, I am John L. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn, John L. Emanuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you could reach out to John L. on any of those platforms. And if you want to, if you are already in the industry and want to be, a, uh, how to be a part of your project, um, reach out to her. Uh, if you want some words of advice or, you know, some level of, you know, direction, you could also reach to her and like out to her. And like I said, she's also a very contributing member to our organization. And I'm so appreciative of her lending her time in any capacity she can for our people. I also know, are you a part of the Bohemian Developers Association as well? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to um, just briefly share about what that is and um, how they, somebody's interested, how they could be a part of that. Okay. So the Bohemian Developers Association is a group of everything IT and computer science in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. We're trying to unify everyone. We have a WhatsApp group and a Discord. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. This year, well, last year, we had a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you would like to be a part of it, you can join us. We, It's very interesting. If you are an aspiring developer or anything in the tech field, you just post a question and they will help you. Someone will assist you. Wow. So if you need anything in that area, mm-hmm. it's there. So for those of you who even want additional information about how do you become in this, in the industry and, and be involved, you can join the Bohemian Developers Association. Like Janelle said, it's on Facebook. I think they're also on LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to one of the organizers. His name is Duran Humes. I think he was the first guest for our show. Um, and yeah, you can have resources available to you. You always have to just start from somewhere. And then once you have the passion, the drive, and the access to the knowledge, all things is possible. Anyway, with that being said, we appreciate you joining us today. We do not have any STEM news. However, we do want to just invite you to continue to listen to us as we expand and grow. And we invite you to have a very good evening. With that being said, good day and have a restful Tuesday. All right. Bye-bye. We are out.